You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right, Trace Church, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We did it, y'all. We made it through by the grace of God 2020. Show of hands, how many of you would say good riddance to 2020? Come on, everybody. All right. Um, many of us in 2020 would have said, This year has been one of the worst, most challenging years in recent memory. And for some of you, 2020 was the worst year of your entire life. And I'll spare you a recitation of the headlines because I know you lived it, but 2020 was challenging on a lot of fronts and maybe challenging. I've used that word a couple of times. Maybe that's just not quite strong enough. Maybe a word like overwhelming would be a better way to describe last year, or anxiety-inducing, or just downright miserable. And I don't know about y'all, but I am so thankful that 2020 is officially in the past. Thank the Lord. While last year was kind of a stormy season, in every storm cloud, there really truly is, church family, a silver lining. And I want to share with you the silver lining in the storm clouds I endured in 2020 briefly to kind of set up this lesson. And so as I was reflecting back on last year, God reminded me of five self-evident truths about life this side of heaven. And you've probably heard that phrase before, but quickly, a self-evident truth is defined as a truth that proves its own self true in the day-to-day trenches of everyday life. And so I want to share five of those with you. The first truth I want to share that God revealed to me is the inevitability of suffering. The inevitability of suffering. So in John chapter 16 and verse 33, the Lord Jesus Christ says this. I'm going to reference a couple of scriptures. If you're taking notes, you can just jot these down. John 16, 33, Jesus says, these words I've spoken to you so that you could have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What, what Jesus is teaching us there is that in life, you cannot avoid suffering. So life is less about avoiding suffering because it's inevitable and more about how we respond to seasons of tribulation. Uh, The second self-evident truth God reminded me of as I was reflecting back on last year is the insatiability of our flesh. The insatiability of our flesh. If you're taking notes, write down Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 19. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is talking to a small church in Ephesus, and here's what the text says. And Paul is referencing, he's teaching Christians about people who have pursued pleasure in the natural world. He says, these people who have pursued pleasure have lost all sensitivity, and they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and here's the catchphrase, with a continual lust for more. Paul's teaching this church that there are a group of people we might call pleasure seekers 
who in life are walking a pathway down which they're seeking to find satisfaction or pleasure in the natural. And if you read the context, the effect of seeking pleasure in the natural to try to satisfy our flesh is that our understanding becomes darkened. And then our hearts become hardened and eventually... We, lose, we have an insensitive spirit. We lose sensitivity. And then what happens is exactly what Paul says. We have a continual lust for more. Meaning, if we seek satisfaction in the natural, we will not only never be satisfied, but we will be completely and totally miserable. The third thing God reminded me of in, in 2020 was the intrigue of sin. The intrigue of sin. So Jesus teaching in Mark chapter seven and verse 21 says, evil comes from within us. We're broken, messed up people. We don't need anybody helping us along to do bad things, to do evil things, to do sinful things. In life, we are all gravitationally pulled towards violating our moral compass and doing the wrong thing. And what most of us realized in 2020 is that the more stress we endure, the greater the pull many of us feel to violating our moral compass and to doing the wrong thing. And that's a battle we're going to have to all face for the rest of our lives. The fourth self-evident truth that God reminded me of is the insufficiency of isolation. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 tells us that you and I have been made in God's image. That means that we are designed to connect. Sure, sometimes in life you might can be a lone wolf for a season. But eventually being a lone wolf is simply not sufficient enough of a way to live our lives. Now I'm blessed I'm happily married to a woman way out of my league. I way outpunted my coverage with my wife, just like your pastor, Mr. Aaron Pennington, all right? Uh, we married up, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of the blessings God's placed in our lives. I have three wonderful kids. So in the midst of quarantine, I had some advantages, right? I had my family. They loved me and supported me. But there were still times I felt discouraged. And I didn't want to share that discouragement with my family because I didn't want my discouragement to discourage them. And when I'm keeping things from the people that I love, it makes me feel isolated. So it doesn't matter whether you're living in a house full of people or whether you're living all alone. Whether you got family and friends close by or whether you're hundreds of miles away from those closest to you, we all had to grapple with the insufficiency of isolation, the pain that we felt because we feel isolated. And the last thing God reminded me of in 2020 is the inadequacy of our own willpower. Now more than ever in my life, I realize my need for God, my need for his word, and my need for his church. In God, we find salvation. In his word, we find direction. And with his people, we find the support not just to survive in life. And I'm tired of my dial being stuck on survival mode. It's with God's people, we find the strength and support to thrive. 
So today I do want to talk to you about screen time. I want to talk with you about how you are using technology. And I hope to teach you how to approach technology so that you're not just surviving in life, but so that you can thrive in life. I'm convinced of this. One of the things that is standing as a barrier between the life you are living now and the life you want to live is how you are using technology. So I want to give you a couple of statistics to show you why I think that's true for you. The first statistic was published by the Nielsen Company. These guys have been tracking American technology use for decades. And what they found is that the average adult in America, buckle your seatbelt, is in front of a screen 10 hours and 39 minutes every single day. Let me say that again. You, 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 everybody under the sound of my voice and those of you watching online, you are in front of a screen more than you are hanging out with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your parents or your siblings or your extended family or kids if you've got them. And here's a second statistic for you. There's a company that has been tracking social media usage in American adults, right? The Pew Research Company has been tracking social media usage in American adults since 2005. And in 2005, 5% of all adults in America had one or more social media accounts that they used every day. By 2011, six years later, half of all adults had one or more social media accounts that they used every day. In 2019, when this study was published, seven out of 10 adults used a social media account every single day. And what this research also tells us is that three out of 10 adults are liars who didn't want the researchers to know they had a social media account that they used every single day, right? Because we know everybody got a social media account. Okay, so why in the world are all adults or most adults online or on social media more than people are watching football, baseball, basketball, and hockey combined. And when you consider that, it helps us appreciate the magnitude by which we're using technology. Why is that happening? Well, the answer is that really kind of depends. It depends. It's not as though all screen time is bad time, okay? I use the screen often to do ministry. I teach at Colorado Christian University. Right now, uh, the graduate school is completely remote. So all my grad students and I are on Zoom calls, and they have to endure not just a 30-minute sermon by Dr. T, pray for these men and women, but a three-hour Zoom lecture. Can you imagine that, right? So it's good in that context. It's good to use for ministry. When, when we went into quarantine first, my family and I FaceTimed family in Kansas, which is where our family live, and we played board games online. Somebody can say, go Jayhawks. Come on with it now. Uh, so we use screen time to connect with family. That, that's all okay, but here's the problem. Most of us are doing it unintentionally. And when human beings do anything. Listen to me. When human beings do anything without some measure of forethought and intentionality, the consequences can be and usually are bad. Here's an example. Adults or adolescents 
were asked to spend six weeks playing a role play video game online where you kind of pretend that you're the character and you go around and you like build a village and mine for gold and the money you get helps you build a bigger village. I know you know what I'm talking about because I know everybody in the audience done played a game like this, okay? Adults and adolescents who spent six weeks online playing a role-playing video game had significantly reduced capability to, to control their impulses and to make decisions, now, those of you who have raised an adolescent in the audience would be like, Dr. T, every adolescent I ever raised had impulse control problems and difficulty making decisions, certainly, but those variables were factored out and contrasted with the control group that was asked to play online, and the control group struggled with that significantly more. So why do you accidentally buy the thing you don't need with the money you don't have online? Perhaps it's because you're spending so much time unintentionally using technology. Why are you looking at things you know you shouldn't be looking at? Or why are you wasting time you know you don't have to waste? Perhaps it's because your decision-making capability has been reduced simply because you're spending too much time with technology unintentionally. So let me say this. Technology really has no value for you. And what I mean by that is that technology is completely an attraction-based industry. So if a technology company cannot get your attention and then sustain your attention, that technology company goes bankrupt. So what technology companies do is they employ hundreds if not thousands of engineers who use your own brain's chemistry against you. So why are people on, on the screen so much? Why are people using social networking sites so much? It's because those uh, companies and social networking sites are designed to release reward chemicals in your brain that keep you coming back for more. Years ago, we didn't know that our use of technology influenced our brain's reward circuitry. But here's the way this works, ladies and gentlemen. Our brains are designed by God to repeat what feels good. When we do something that feels good, reward chemicals get released in our brain. And you've probably heard of the chemical dopamine. It's one of the primary reward chemicals in our brain. And when dopamine, a reward chemical, is released, whatever we were doing that caused dopamine to be released is something we want to do more of. And that's a good thing. When I get my paycheck after working my work week on Friday, I get a little bit of dopamine release when I open that up and see I've been rewarded for my efforts. So when I go through a weekend spending time with my family having fun and I have to get up on Monday morning and go back to work, bummer, my brain knows that if I'll work next week, I get the same reward, which is mo a motivating thing to influence me to go back to work. What about when I get good grades on a report card or my wife says she loves me or I'm doing a sport and we win the game? All of that stuff releases reward chemicals in my brain that influences me to want to do more of the same. Good. But what if I'm doing something bad or sinful and it's something bad or sinful that influences me to have a reward chemical released in my brain. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the root of addiction. If I'm doing drugs or something else that's bad or sinful that causes a reward chemical to be released in my brain, I want to do more of that thing, and then I want to do more of that thing, and then I want to do more of that thing. And usually bad, sinful types of things 
are things that are low effort, low cost, with seemingly high reward, with seemingly short time between the activity and the reward kinds of things. So if you're doing anything in life that's low effort, low cost, high reward, and short amount of time between the time you started and the time you get the reward chemical release, it's probably not a healthy thing. So we have to learn how to make some adjustments. Let me just ask you a few questions to kind of assess the degree to which maybe you're struggling with this, okay? I'm going to ask for a show of hands in the audience. It's time to get honest, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new year. God knows, even if Dr. T doesn't know, all right? Same with you online. If you're at home, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you have ever reached into your pocket and checked your phone even if you didn't get a buzz or a ding that you had an alert on it. How many of you have done it? Come on, come on, somebody. God knows. Just about everybody's hand went up in the audience, okay? Have you ever wondered what's up with that? Why, am I keep, why do I keep fishing in my pocket for my phone? It's because your brain hungers for a reward chemical release. And your brain knows if you pull out your phone and log on to social media and you got a like or a comment or somebody shared your post, boom, little bit of dopamine, you can put your phone right back in your pocket. Not only do, 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 does technology influence our brain's reward circuitry and negatively influence our impulse control and our decision-making, uh, technology has also reduced our attention spans. The average attention span of a person in America is about 15 seconds, which means that every 15 seconds, your mind is chasing a rabbit. What am I going to eat after church? What book should I be reading? I wonder if some, so-and-so answered my email. I wonder what we're going to do later tonight. Am I going to have to go back to school Monday? When are we going to be in quarantine again? And your mind is just constantly going because that's the way technology works, to constantly stimulate and sustain our attention. The negative effect of this is it reduces semantic memory, our ability to remember facts. Second question. How many of you in the audience, if you were being honest, could remember, you say, I could remember without having to look at anything, 10 or more telephone numbers? How many could remember 10 or more? If you could, raise your hands. Okay, I love asking this question when I'm speaking, and I'm trying to say this as kindly and as sensitively as I can. Now look up here at me. Every person in the audience who raised their hand saying that they could remember 10 or more are the older, wiser members of our group, right? And the reason they can remember 10 is because they've remembered those same 10 numbers for the last 35, 45, 55-ish plus years, right? But for most of us, we can't even remember 10. How many would have to admit, I can't even remember five telephone numbers if my life depended on it? That would probably be me. I could maybe get up to five Okay, why is that? It's not because we're getting less and less smart. It's because we're getting more and more engaged in technology unintentionally, and it's having some negative side effects. To complete some of my thoughts on this, I want to summarize by telling you a phrase that I hope you'll remember. Human beings tend to wrap their identity, their life, or their ego up in whatever is going on in our life that feels the best, okay? That has a lot to do with the way our brains have been designed and our brains reward circuitry. So here's what this means. In marriage, if that's kind of where I draw my most satisfaction, then my ego, my identity, my sense of self is gonna be wrapped up in the degree to which my spouse is satisfied in me. 
Some of us wrap our ego, our identity, or our lives up in our career and how successful we are at work. It's a performance-based sense of identity. For others of us, we wrap our identity up in how much money we have, and I wish I could be one of y'all. Amen? It had so much, I just felt so great. Each of these things, while some of them may sound okay, are not the way human beings are designed to find their identity. If you find your identity in anything in the natural, you will feel depressed, you will feel isolated, and you will feel anxious. So let me share with you the solution. The, the solution to use a technology in a healthy biblical way, the solution to use a technology such that it doesn't cause more bad stuff in your life than good, is to live your life in such a way that the most satisfying, rewarding thing in your life is your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the only hope we have this side of heaven. And praise God, it is the only hope we need. This is what John's gospel talks about right at the very beginning of the gospel of John. And I want you to read it this morning. And this is kind of where I'm going to spend some time from the scriptures. This is John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the scriptures say, In him, and the him right there is Jesus. In Jesus, in him is life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not, has not, and will never overcome the Lord Jesus Christ. The only life worth living, ladies and gentlemen, is a life lived in Jesus Christ. You want satisfaction in life? Then, then live a life totally wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to experience genuine, real freedom in life? Then live a life that completely revolves around Jesus. Live a life where your ego is completely drawn from Jesus and where Jesus's life and his word are the things that define your identity. That's what the scriptures are teaching right here. And that's the first and most important step in learning to use technology in a way that's healthy. What has to matter the most in life and what has to mean the most in our lives is that our identity is found in and defined by the Lord Jesus Christ. John's gospel goes on to say, not only in Jesus' life, but in the Lord Jesus is light. In the Lord Jesus is light. The, the scripture, John, John, uh, John's gospel gives us a few scriptures that help us understand what the light of Jesus genuinely is. Let me give you three things. The only source of direction in life is the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jot this down. This is found in John chapter 8 and verse 12. The scriptures say, follow Jesus and we won't walk in darkness. No better way to lose your direction than by wandering around blindly in the life that you're living. The second thing is pain relief. The only way to minimize pain in life, remember one irrefutable truth is that we can't avoid pain, but we can certainly live in ways that minimize our pain. This is John eleven nine. 9. He who does not stumble that walks in the light of the world. 
You know what the primary means of lifting a feeling of darkness and depression is in life? It's connecting with the light of Jesus Christ that can illuminate our mood and lift how we feel from the depths of darkness into a lighter state of well-being. The remedy to really using technology responsibly is to live in the light of Jesus. The light of Jesus, when we teach that in church settings, what we're meaning there is Jesus' teaching and example. That's his light. Jesus is teaching an example. And when we live in his teaching and example, he will help us use technology responsibly and intentionally. Next thing John's gospel says is we get power through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The darkness, church family, shall not overcome the light of Jesus. There is no force on earth and there is no force on heaven as great and mighty and powerful and awesome as the power of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the power he makes available to us in Jesus Christ, his Son. Praise the Lord. Here's what I take from this section of John. When we surrender any area of our life over to Jesus, then he equips us with the Holy Spirit's power, which is the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead, to live and act in alignment with his life and his teaching. This is the third and critical component of using electronics responsibly. When we surrender our use of technology to Jesus Christ, he will empower us to use technology responsibly and deliberately, which is the only way we can use technology and not get totally and completely hosed. So I want you to make some changes in 2021. I'm going to mention three, and then I'm going to close. You guys have been great this morning. The first change to make in 2021 is to leave the screen alone. Leave it alone. This is going to embarrass some of you. It embarrasses me. But the first thing most of us do when we get up, we, we go use the restroom, and all y'all grab y'all's phone and take it to the restroom. And instead of a couple of minutes in there, it's three and a half hours later you're coming out of there, Right? Leave the screen. Lots of us do that right before bed, right? We go hop in bed, we turn on the TV, and then what else do we do? We grab our phone, and we're doing two for one. I'm watching something on TV, I'm watching something on my phone, back to the TV, after 15 seconds, I'm back to the phone, 15 seconds later, I'm back to the TV. Put the, put the phone down. Turn off the screen. And here's what I want you to do in 2021. Read, read some books. Read a couple of books, all right? I'm gonna give you five these are my favorite, most critical books for you to read in your lifetime. If you haven't read some of these, you need to read them. We're going to post this on Trace's website. The first is Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. I'm going to go through these quickly. Second is Pur Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster. The Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning. My five favorite, most critical books you should read in the span of your life. Second thing you can do, don't just leave the screen. Use the screen instead of letting the screen use you. You've heard this before. If you don't have a plan, then you're planning to 
fail. If you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. Most of us have no plan when it comes to technology. And instead of using technology then, technology is using us, using the reward chemicals in our brain to get our attention and sustain our attention. Have a plan. And when you have a plan, stick with the plan. Here's the third thing I want to mention to you that's a change I suggest you make. And as Pastor Aaron and I were praying about uh, what God has in store for Trace Church this year and some of what God has laid on my heart to speak to you today, and as we got talking about this third point, uh, Pastor Aaron wants to lay something on your heart that you need to do early this year to draw you closer to God and make you more healthy spiritually and otherwise. To set that up, let me say a couple of things. The first thing I want to say is your body's always releasing dopamine. It's a naturally occurring chemical in your brain. But you can choose how much dopamine stimulation you get from any given activity at any given moment in time. And some of us are so irresponsible with using things that release dopamine, we get overstimulated And the main symptom of overstimulation is an inability to feel genuine joy in the simple things in life. And there is a way you can reprogram your brain's reward circuitry so that you can begin to feel joy again, so that you can begin to feel peace again, and so that you can begin to find satisfaction, genuine, real satisfaction in the simple things in life, the things that God has designed to satisfy you and not man. So I want to close this in a prayer, and I'm going to ask Aaron to come up and share a little bit with you about what God's laid on his heart for Trace Church this year. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus in whom we find salvation. Thank you for your word in which we find guidance. God, and thank you for your church where we find the support we need, not just to survive in life, but to really thrive Thanks for designing our brains the way you have, God. And thanks for the knowledge you've given us to know how we can live a lifestyle that allow our brains to be healthy and allow our lives to be aligned with you and your teaching. Thanks for all of the blessings in our life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Aaron, come share with us.